welcome to episode 40 of the Tech Done Right podcast, Table XI's podcast about building better software, careers, companies, and communities. I'm Noel Rappin. In this episode, we're talking about what a small company can do to improve its diversity and inclusion practices. In many small companies, you can't quickly improve diversity via hiring. The company just isn't changing personnel that quickly, but there are things you can do to improve diversity and inclusion with the employees you already have. And here to discuss them with me are Mira Chernetsky from TableXI, Michael Donnelly from the Forward Collective, and Elena Valentine from Skill Scout. Before we start the show, a few quick messages. TableXI is offering training for developer and product teams. Topics include testing, refactoring legacy JavaScript, career development, and agile team process. For more information, see us online at tablexi.com workshops or email us at workshops at tablexi. We also have a free email course with tools on improving your company's career growth and goal strategy, which you can find at stickynote.game. And I haven't mentioned it at the top of the show recently, but if you like the podcast, a review on Apple Podcasts would be great. It would really help people find the show, and it just feels nice when we see good reviews. So thank you for that. And now here is my conversation with Mira, Michael, and Elena. First of all, we have Mira Charnetsky. Mira, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yeah. My name is Mira. Uh, I work at TableXI with Noel. Uh, I'm a software developer. And I have Elena Valentine. Hey there. I am the co-founder and CEO of a company called Skill Scout. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, and I'm also one of the founders of Mezgla Media Collective, uh, which is a group that was launched to bring together uh, black and brown female filmmakers in Chicago. And we also have Michael Donnelly. Hi, everyone. Uh, Michael Donnelly here. Yes, female Michael. So I know that listening, you guys will get that. But when you see my name, I, I tend to throw people off. I am the founder of the Forward Collective, FWD for Women in Diversity. And we have a platform, host summits and workshops and engage with individuals all surrounding and dedicated to the mission of professional inclusion. Right, which is the topic that we want to discuss here on the show today is to talk about diversity and inclusion. And in particular, I wanted to talk about the topic as it as it applies to a company like TableXI, which is to say a small company, TableXI is about 35 to 40 people, that is not necessarily going to be in a position to use hiring to increase the company's diversity or inclusivity. And I want to talk about what companies can do in that situation that will make a difference in their culture and that will improve the the way that their company culture works. So I guess my first question would be, what sort of advice do you give to people who are in companies like that? Like, What's the most important thing for a, a company in that kind of situation to understand about what they need to do? Well, I have a couple, you know, so I think there's kind of the diversity piece and then there's really the inclusion. So regardless of you know, how big or small your current company is, um, really DNI um, could and should be implemented even when there's an employee of one. And a lot of that has to do with really being blatant um, about the diversity you seek and the kind of um, inclusion you're looking to foster. And so really easy is just making it a part of the business values. It's writing down the mission and making it something that's public for everyone you know, who's coming to your website or um, as you're promoting your business to be able to share. So that's kind of just one kind of very kind of easy one that really regardless of, of how big. And interestingly, I, I think that especially when you're a small organization and I can kind of relate to this as well with Skill Scout is leadership really has the opportunity to drive this in a big way. Um, and it's, it's going to be necessary to make it part of their work stream. 
And so a lot of it is really carving out, knowing that as a leader, it's important to be um, involved um, in listening to your employees um, about what they care about, both at work and outside of work. So things like outings or or sports, for example, is is also a big part of that because a lot of what we're trying to do with driving inclusion, um, regardless of how we're defining it at our companies, is this idea of bringing your whole self to work. And so I'll certainly stop there. there. There's others, but I'll certainly let Michael chime in as well. Yeah, I think you brought up some incredible points, Elena. One of them, I mean, I'll just kind of spin off of what you started to share here. I think being blatant is really important, being honest and saying things without the veil of trying to be politically correct. Um, If you're a company that's currently all white, when people come in for an interview, let them know, you know, we're all white, but we're looking to not be that way. We're looking to diversify. We're looking to, you know, better educate ourselves finding the future or the diversity that you seek is incredibly important, kind of defining what that looks like from how your leadership all the way down to, you know, the the lowest position or the early stage positions of your company can be diversified and can be inclusive, um, making sure that it's, it's really prevalent in what you're trying to build as far as the company culture. So the way that I see company culture is kind of threefold. And I think this is really important because if you're a small team, you know, the culture is formed by the people that are there. So the founders or the leaders, they really decide what the concept of the company is, like what their idea of what they want it to be. And then the culture is formed by the people there. So continuing to kind of implement within that value phase or that concept phase of diversity, you know, the understanding of the importance of diversity and letting the team buy into that and then kind of uh, make that a proponent of their their initiatives moving forward, I think are really kind of good ways to get that moving. And then engaging with the community at large. I think Mm -hmm. if you're not hiring right now, how are you supporting diversity groups so that you're opening up your pipeline to show that you're open to um, other individuals? Where are you posting your jobs? How active are you in seeking out diverse candidates? I think that's a really kind of easy way because although you may not be hiring for 20 roles, hiring for one role is just as important as, you know, those 20 and, and really kind of showing that as part of the initiative overall. And I think to piggyback on this, because I know that the focus is, you know, companies who aren't necessarily being able to use hiring as a lever is, I think, seeing that there's a long-term gain to this, which is, you know, this may not be, you know, candidates that you can hire now, but actually then just getting really involved in what your employees overall really care about, getting involved in those organizations um, that align with the business mission. So social impact events, you know, volunteer events um, can be huge, especially for these generations of millennials, Generation Z, where, you know, regardless if you are a candidate or employee, you're feeling a part of the overall mission and that what you're working towards um, inside and outside of work um, is certainly kind of much bigger than yourself. And I really kind of loved what Michael said about just being truthful with where you are at. Um, It's so funny. So we get these questions all the time. You know, we built our business on the shoulders of small to mid-sized manufacturers who, you know, wanted to, you know, bring their roles to life on video. And it said, yeah, we would absolutely love to, you know, hire and attract more women. But the truth is we just have 40 year old machinists in our shop. So how do we 
kind of look inclusive when we don't have that now. And the biggest advice we can say is one, being super truthful about that to say, we don't have that. And let's not make that one woman who might be a machinist super uncomfortable by making her kind of be your token person. But quite frankly, having a leader, be it in a video or in a story to say, hey, this is what we're going toward, but we're not there yet. So I think, uh, for example, a good company, you know, quite frankly, they're bigger, but they do a really good job of being really honest with where they're at is Lyft. So if you look at Lyft's career page, I just really appreciated how they said, you know, we've, we've really come so far, but we are not there yet. It was something just like that. And, and the fact that you could see there was an authenticity and, authenticity and truth coming out just based on that, you know, makes you feel like this is a place where you could have these kinds of conversations because these companies are, are very upfront with kind of where they're coming from and where they want to be. Mira, what kind of things uh, as somebody coming into an organization do you look for or somebody choosing between organizations, what kinds of things do you look for in terms of what makes you feel comfortable and what might make you feel uncomfortable when you see it in an interview or at the beginning of a time at a new company? Yeah, for sure. I think probably the first thing I do, honestly, is to reach out to my network as a woman in tech and just in general, I think in the culture that we're in, it's really important to have as much information as possible about what it's actually like at a company. So I almost always try to reach out personally to someone and and talk to someone who isn't on the leadership team. I mean, I definitely consume like website materials and I do my research on the company and I do see what Elena and Michael are talking about with that authenticity of, yes, we acknowledge that we're not great at this and we're trying, but I think it's important to not only say that on your company website and, you know, in the outreach that you do with the community, but to actually follow that through within your team, like in everyday situations. So that can be something really simple, like, hey, maybe the CEO has, you know, sits down with every person in the company and checks in with them and and gets their ideas and sees how they're doing and makes sure that everyone is doing well, right? If it's a small company, you can do things like that. Other things like making sure that you continue to have conversations about inclusivity and diversity within the company. I think that's something that we do at TableXI, and I really value that as a part of our company culture, that we continue to have these conversations, just because that helps me know that my coworkers also care about the things that I care about and also want to support me and to support each other in feeling included. Going off of what Mara was saying around the idea of companies really being deliberate about how they're communicating, connecting with, and engaging with their employees outside of just that happy hour culture or the you know pickup sports culture or hey this is a business development or sales opportunity event. It's really kind of being mindful of those lunch and learn topics, the the people that you can bring in. So if you have a small team and your team's not diverse, can you bring in consultants or people to host workshops that are that can help educate the individuals that are present that are already there, so that as the company has the opportunity to become more diverse, it is already becoming an inclusive culture from that kind of early stage standpoint. I know that we've worked with you guys and 
another company called Speech IRL and talking about communication diversity and talking about, you know, just general practices and, and worked with some outside community members as well as some teammates at TableXI. And I think that's something really cool that your team has done to kind of really bridge the conversation from the internal team to bringing in external organizations and melding the conversation amongst the, the room itself. I think it's really important to kind of proactively educate people, no matter what stage you are with growing your team, because I think one of the things that can be really tough as a new person joining, especially if you're the first person who is a member of a particular underrepresented group, can be that you feel like the burden is on you to do all that education for your team, right? And it can be really difficult to be like the only woman or the only person of color or the only, you know, trans person in a room and feel like it's on you to make sure that your teammates know how to include you. And I think it's really, really important for people who are members of well-represented groups to step up and, and try to do that work to educate themselves and to help support people as they come in so that you don't have to deal with that additional burden of just trying to do your job and also trying to move the organization's culture forward. Yeah, owning all of the diversity initiatives because you're the diverse individual. <laughs> um, I think that that really kind of ties into the notion of allies and the notion of a support system. So as we're educating people before you know, industries become diverse or when there's minor levels of diversity, that, that gives really to what Elena had said earlier around what inclusion really means from an organization standpoint and how we can practice that inclusivity and kind of standing up or going to bat for other people on our team before they need to go for themselves. So making the conversation available early on or the, the circumstance available for a more healthy conversation early on. And to that point, I think what transcends all of this is having a healthy feedback system, period, right? I think it goes hand in hand with many companies that if you don't have a healthy feedback system where employees feel like they're heard and that their suggestions are being taken seriously, you can't get anything accomplished. And so regardless if it's DNI or not, I think a lot of it, this at the end of the day is companies ensuring that their employees feel like they have a voice at work. Are there some specific things that you recommend that companies can do to improve? Yes, absolutely. Um, well, so there certainly are some, some tools out there, for example. So um, one of my favorites, um, they're actually a Chicago-based company. They're called Know Your Company. They're actually developed specifically for smaller companies, anywhere between kind of 25 to 75 employees, because that's at about the point where a founder, um, you know, or a CEO starts to lose touch on a personal basis with their employees. And so something like know your, what you know your company does is it's almost providing like a, a weekly pulse survey of be it things that are kind of happening in the company that employees want to share, um, or it could even be around kind of fun questions as well about kind of what employees are doing. And so a lot of it is just being able to foster more constant communication. And sometimes that could be meaning leveraging technology tools. It could also mean, so for other companies, it could mean that they're having every Friday a weekly lunch where they are buying lunch for the entire staff, all coming together, you know, just to hang out in spirit and, and being able to communicate in a more informal basis. So it really runs the gamut 
healthy. And, and, you know, this certainly also goes into, you know, beyond the performance reviews, which is, you know, are we kind of talking about how we can continually improve our work outside of, you know, a six month period. So I've seen several companies, you know, run the gamut to what they do. But at the end of the day, it's really about having a, a very kind of healthy um, foundation for feedback in the company. And that also means that leaders are taking that kind of feedback too. So some of this, and I know Claire Liu from Know Your Company will say this, is a lot of this is also like a leader stepping up to say, how can I improve? What did I do in this one instance that I could have done better? So a lot of it is leaders opening themselves up to feedback. So uh, first of all, Claire has been a guest on on this very podcast. I'll I'll, I'll listen to that. Uh, So a couple things that that brings to mind. One is that one thing we do with Know Your Company is we also follow up with, uh, here's some things that we are trying to do based on what we heard from you and Know Your Company. And also our CEO as our, at our all hands, quarterly all hand meetings, our CEO is taken to having a little segment called the three biggest mistakes I made in the last quarter, which is uh, definitely interesting from a transparency standpoint. I just wanted to jump in and say, I think we've been talking about small companies and in some ways it, it can be tough as a small company to work on diversity and inclusivity because you don't feel that you have you know, the recruiting abilities that a larger company might have, or, you know, the HR depth, etc. But I think there's also like a great opportunity when you're at a small company to have real relationships with your coworkers up to and including the leadership. One of the things our CEO did when he transitioned into his role about a year ago was decide that he was going to have lunch, or coffee or sit down in some way with every single person at the company. And I think Doing things like that as a leader makes it clear that you are interested in knowing all the members of your team. And, you know, that is a way that you can help communicate that you are, as a leader are open to feedback and are interested in hearing what your employees have to say and how their experience of the company is. And really walking the walk. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. And you have the ability to like build relationships and build the rapport so that it's easier to let someone know that you have feedback for them because you're in a small company and you know that person and you feel comfortable talking to them even about difficult topics. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really important point, uh, Mira, that you brought up that the transparency and the conversations are not always easy. Um, these are difficult topics, especially when we kind of separate the person we are versus the behaviors that we're practicing. And with diversity, equity, and inclusion being such a, they're almost turning into buzzwords in a lot of ways. And that happens when we really focus on, you know, moving initiatives forward and I think that we're seeing a lot of diversity fatigue out there. So this was kind of off of some of the things Elena brought up with Claire and Know Your Company and some of the things that I know that you guys are practicing, Mark specifically, the CEO of TableXI and TableXI in general, are finding ways to make these conversations fun and opening up from the idea of a safe space to a space that, you know, could be uncomfortable, but is not going to, you know, jeopardize your future. So finding opportunities to really have those complicated and complex, I guess is the better word, conversations where we can make diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, you know, an interesting conversation. There can be excitement around it and, you know, really kind of going around the ideas that uh, this is something I learned from Monica Black of Diamond Angel. 
angels that diversity is innovation. And if we remember that, and if we know that all companies are trying to innovate and that companies with diverse teams make 34 plus percent higher percentage in revenue, then that's an overall business objective. So when we come back kind of full circle to why it's important, it's important for our bottom line. It's also important for our creativity and our innovation standpoints. And then from a humanistic perspective. One of the ways that we levered into this at Table XI, and I think this might be a value, valuable for other small companies that want to find a way to talk about inclusivity that's relevant to the people that they have, is we started to talk about a perception in the company culture that extroverts were f- favored over introverts, that, that a lot of our meetings, the people who were loudest were the people who got heard. And that was kind of interesting because it allowed us to get into accommodating different communication styles without any of the potential baggage that anybody might have associated with different groups or different stereotypes. But it it was a way for all of us to start thinking about different communication styles and accommodating needs of different people. And suddenly we got a little bit better at handling remote people in meetings. And it it just, it put it on the radar as as a topic to talk about in a way that I think made the later more potentially uncomfortable conversations over diversity and inclusivity easier to have because we sort of had started with a foundation? I mean, I think it's important to realize and just to acknowledge that a lot of the things that we do under sort of the umbrella of diversity and inclusion and trying to help underrepresented people feel like they can be successful also benefit pretty much everyone, right? Like anytime that you're trying to make your communication better or trying to be more understanding of people's personal lives outside of work and trying to, you know, accommodate people's entire lives in what you do at work, that helps everyone, right? Like parents aren't only women. People who are more soft-spoken aren't only women, people who might have other communication challenges, like neurodiversity kind of things like that. Everyone can be affected by that, right? And all of the work that you do towards including anyone, I think helps everyone feel that they're more able to contribute. And so there's, I think there's a lot that you can do to further diversity and inclusivity aims without specifically calling out this is for diversity and inclusivity because it's not just about including underrepresented people. It's about including everyone, right? And underrepresented people may benefit disproportionately because maybe they disproportionately weren't being included before. But at the end of the day, that helps your whole team be more successful. Yeah, I really love what Mira said just around that. At the end of the day, this is just about getting personal with people and allowing people, again, to bring their whole selves to work. There's a really interesting study, I should find it and share it with you, uh, that recommended that leaders, when they you know, go out to lunch with their colleagues and staff, start out with, you know, just get personal, right? Ask them about their kids, you know, ask them you know, about you know, their softball game or kind of their, their wood shopping project. And then in doing so, you actually get more productivity and motivation out of that colleague than if you were to just straight talk about work. So it's really interesting how, you know, even things around diversity and inclusion, just being able to just have conversations with your employees, um, regardless of, you know, underrepresented group or not, is actually fully beneficial. What do you do if you are an employee at a small company, you're not in a leadership role, but you feel like the company has a lot of DNI work to do? What are some of the ways that you can make the company aware 
that they have this need and how can you get things started? Yeah, I'll jump in there. I think that's um, kind of a space that Ford Collective fills um, is creating those opportunities to start conversations without that entire kind of package of work or <laughs> layer falling onto the person who brings it up. I think especially in small company cultures, there's sometimes the kind of overall engagement that if you point out a problem, then you better have the solution and you better be willing to take it on, which is complicated and frustrating at times, which is where you see some problems continue to fluctuate. But why we started the Forward Collective and this movement overall was to have all individuals join the conversation around diversity, equity, and inclusion and give that um, engagement factor for learning from experts that give the opportunity for um, individuals to, as a company or as an individual, attend and participate in discussions led by experts that are traditionally not seen on stage, and then really kind of bridge the gap in overall communication around that inclusion message. So I think going to events or suggesting that the, you know, the team go to summits overall or happy hours is a, is a cool way that you don't necessarily have to take on the full burden, but can bring up the conversation and start the dialogue. Yeah, I, I think that food and offsite events and things like that are tricky because on the one hand, they are really good ways to include a lot of people. On the other hand, you really have to make sure that you try to include everybody because like there's something about being, you know, for example, this is not me, but for example, like the vegetarian at the company barbecue that you need to be aware of when you're planning anything involving food. That, that's a very a very personal issue for people, I think. I mean, I would say just as a person who has worked at a few different companies who were at varying levels of success with their diversity and inclusion, this is something that is not necessarily the most optimistic message, but sometimes you kind of have to read the room. And there have been moments where I just felt like there wasn't enough of a kind of communication line open where it was going to be helpful to bring it up. And sometimes you kind of have to make the call that like, I don't think I am able with the resources that I have in this place to make that change, to shift that conversation. And if you are really in a place that isn't going to be inclusive of you, like, and you have the ability to find a different job, maybe, maybe you should. Right. And I think that's a, that's kind of a tough thing to reckon with. But I think that kind of points to the fact that like, we all need to actually really be conscious of, of this stuff as allies of people who aren't in underrepresented groups. Right. So I think it's really important if you are not the only person of color to check in with them and let them know like, Hey, if there's anything I can do to help you, let me know, or, you know, try to call out, you know, casual microaggressions when you see them happen and, and try to make the changes that you can as an ally, because sometimes for the person who is experiencing these things as that member of that upper, underrepresented group, it can be really overwhelming and just not worth it for them to speak up about it. Yeah, I think it's the old adage, right? You know, people don't leave companies, they leave people. And to be totally candid, it starts from the top. And if there are some serious issues of people not feeling included or feeling like their voice is not heard, there's some serious change management that has to happen. And that's not going to happen from one, you know, entry level colleague or middle management. It's, it's really has to come from leadership at the top, right? The most successful companies that have done this, be it from a big scale or small, 
are those leaders who stepped up and did it. They have to be the ones to model this. And and that's really the, the kind of the flat out answer for how this is going to work. And I think like people vote with their feet, right? Like people leave people, as you said. And I think if you are in a position of influence within a company, whether that's formal leadership or not, and you notice that you feel like the people who you really wanted to hire, maybe you were really excited about bringing that first female engineer or that first, you know, non-binary engineer or that first person of color onto the team. And then somehow those people never seem to stick around, right? They'll be there for six months or a year and kind of start off being excited and become more and more closed off or, or start leaving. And that's something that you have to pay attention to as a leader, that those people might not feel that they have the ability to speak up. They don't, may not feel that they will be heard if they try to say something or that they won't experience consequences for trying to bring up that there's work that needs to be done. And so you as a leader or you as an ally need to kind of take that on yourself to notice that stuff and to try and open those lines of communication and help people feel comfortable and make sure that those negative consequences won't happen uh, if people do speak up as much as you can. And that's how you turn that around, right? Yeah. Um, I think that uh, when you're not a leader standpoint, and I know that's kind of, you know, the levels of conversations is that's the complicated side of things. Like when we notice something within, I wanted to go back a little bit to what I was bringing up earlier around external groups and external communities that you can then highlight for your internal office. So that if you're interested in bringing up the conversation around diversity and inclusion, but you're not looking to necessarily be the one that has to run the program, um, groups like Ford Collective, groups like Women Tech Founders, groups like I'm Black in Tech, host events that you can go to. And and I wanted to be careful because I know that you had said, you know, if you're the only vegetarian attending, well, these communities and and our communities are are very specific to be as inclusive as as possible. And if there's food being served, we'll, we'll cater to the food. If there's conversation is really the most important part. So if you're kind of at that earlier stage or those more entry level positions in companies, it's shooting over a note to the leadership that says, hey, I saw this on Twitter about diversity and inclusion in tech. This is something that I would like to attend, see if the company will pay for the ticket, invite some colleagues, maybe toss it in the group Slack channel, um, that here's a summit around this conversation. And I know that this is something that we as a company could benefit from. So kind of expanding that engagement, it doesn't always have to fall 100% within the company, whether that is from a leadership position or from an entry-level position. There are a lot of groups locally here in Chicago, nationally and internationally, that are having these conversations and creating space for different types of communication, different individuals, diverse groups to come together, celebrate, and then continue to move the conversation forward. I wanted to follow up on something Mir said, and it was another thing that we did uh, at TableXI, which was when you notice that people are leaving, we noticed at a point a couple of years ago that several uh, women had left the company in a like a relatively short, like a six to eight month period of time, and for different reasons, and mostly for good reasons. But it was curious, and um, one of the things we did as a result of that was we hired somebody to do exit interviews uh, with everybody that had left the company over the course of about a year. And they weren't the ex- interviews were not presented as being about diversity, but diversity and inclusivity were were among the questions asked. And in presenting the findings of that, I think that that the existence of incidents that people remembered uh, even you know months after they had left the company, the, the fact that those incidents were among the things that people remembered uh, were very instrumental in getting 
table excise management's attention on this as being a problem to the extent that we had it as a problem, that it was something that we needed to really work on and improve on. And, and it really caught our, our management caught is probably not the right word, but it really impressed upon our management that people were having experiences that they didn't necessarily know about and that they didn't want people to have. And it really uh, pushed the company to become more uh, aware of things that might happen in meetings and things that might be said and how people might might take them. And I, I think it made a, a noticeable impact in a relatively short amount of time. You know, that that was the where a lot of our DNI initiatives came out of uh, that initial understanding and, and the first couple things that we did about it. As we sort of head toward the end of the our, our time here, other pieces of advice that you can give some other thing that you think is really important that we haven't covered yet for people or companies uh, who really want to improve their, their DNI? I think there's a really massive element of the conversation that a lot of times doesn't get addressed, and that's around salary transparency. So the negotiation factors, the understanding of what you're walking into, I think that companies who are really looking to bring on different individuals or, or groups that will help kind of up the ante of diversity, I think it'd be important to understand like what your salaries look like throughout the company. And I know that's not a direct correlation, but there's been a lot of studies done around negotiation, self-value, self-worth, and really kind of showcasing what your company values from a productivity standpoint, from um, a job and individual standpoint, from a diversity standpoint, and how you match that with uh, monetary incentives. I mean, at the end of the day, the whole point of working is making money. So that's where a lot of us come from. But as we grow into these more inclusive and more exciting cultures where we can, as Elena was saying, bring our whole selves and get to know people and and have it be some of that social life component, how do those overlap and how do we kind of find that fire behind what we're doing and how do companies support that we're really, you know, in it for the long haul and, and kind of adding that level of transparency. We've started to see it with some larger companies and and posting reports and kind of closing the wage gaps. But I think that's a big element of the conversation overall is how we can work to close those wage gaps. And that's where some smaller companies can really highlight their initiatives in a, a black and white manner right there on paper. Here's what we're paying. Here's how, and here's, here's why it could matter to you. I think Michael brought up a really great point about salary transparency and kind of looking at the data to see if that's equitable. And also kind of building off of what you were saying earlier about sort of looking at some data from exit interviews and, and realizing that maybe there was something going on that you needed to pay more attention to as a company. I think there are a few different things that you can look at. Like one is definitely salary transparency and and equity. Also in terms of how quickly do people move through the ranks at your company? Like are, are people getting promoted? Are people growing and taking on more responsibility and getting those salary raises and, you know, better titles and leading larger teams or larger projects? And I think also being aware of your hiring when you do hire are you hiring underrepresented people disproportionately for junior positions, right? Are you are you seeing that your pool is drawing from as many groups as possible for all positions, right? Like, I think it can be a, a sort of unhealthy environment to have all your diverse folks be more junior and have no one who's more senior on the leadership team or in the pipeline for positions like that that are from diverse backgrounds, 
And I think those are all things that you can look at as a company to see, like, are we are we doing a good job? Are we being true to what we want to be doing in terms of diversity and inclusivity? Yeah, this was lightly touched upon, but it couldn't be overemphasized enough moving forward. You know, the future of work is going to be flexibility. It's going to completely change, you know, how we view workspaces, where we work, how we work, when we work. And, and certainly when we're talking about salaries and the wage gap, you know, there's there's some some real reasons why um, that has happened. And a lot of it has also just been the inflexibility of working mothers. And so, you know, certainly, you know, flexible working structures and thinking through what that looks like um, at your company, it's going to be different. You know, Skill Scout, um, we're, we're primarily a full virtual workforce. I know that uh, table XI as well. Um, you also have a pretty kind of flexible workforce in terms of a virtual workforce, et cetera. Um, that will be the name of the game moving forward to support that. So it's definitely should be a lever that companies should consider and, and think about how they're going to play in that. Great. And uh, with that, I think that we are uh, more or less out of time. Where can people reach you online if they want to talk to you more about uh, these issues? Mira? Uh, probably the best place is my Twitter. Um, at M34RA. Me personally, I'm at Real M Donnelly. And then Forward Collective, we are at FWD Collective IO. So the website is .io and all the handles are just one word. And Elena. Yeah, easy. Skillscout.com or Elena at Skillscout.com if you'd like to get in touch with me personally. Great. Well, thank you all for being here. This is obviously, you know, only scratches the surface of the conversation, but I'm, I'm glad that we were able to have this conversation and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Tech Done Right is a production of Table XI and is hosted by me, Noel Rappin. I'm at Noel Rapp on Twitter and Table XI is at Table XI. The podcast is edited by Mandy Moore. You can reach her on Twitter at the Ruby Rap. Tech Done Right can be found at techdoneright.io or downloaded wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify. You can send us feedback or ideas on Twitter at tech underscore done underscore right. TableXI is a UX design and software development company in Chicago with a 15-year history of building websites, mobile applications, and custom digital experiences for everyone from startups to storied brands. Find us at TableXI.com where you can learn more about working with us or working for us. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next episode of Tech Done Right.